thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com propane plus in rhode island for all your propane needs call them 401-885-4209 in massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 you're listening to the John DePietro show it's AM 1380 99.9 FM folks you can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. Good morning. It is Friday. It's December 23rd. What happened to the storm? What happened to the storm? I think they hit the pitch, pushed the panic button a little early here. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to, I'm certainly not going to complain. Um, we have a little bit of rain for the raining part of the day. Good news is, should stop raining right around 3 o'clock. Now, the temperature. It is going to drop, and it is windy, but, and then make no mistake about it, tomorrow, tomorrow morning at this time, the temperature will be in, well, not single digits, but it's it's going to drop pretty close to feel like that, so we are going to have a dramatic change, but at least it'll be uh, sunny weather for Christmas Eve, and today's the day before the day before, and, and then it looks like nice and dry on Christmas Day as well. And then the day after Christmas, which is the day observed, so it's three-day weekend, which is nice, that's also going to be dry. So, folks, the good news is, now, I get along parts of, uh, like right now, East Bay, Portsmouth, big wind surge, along the water, seems to be a coastal storm, definitely having some problems. But everyone else inland, I mean, it certainly seems like a day you could still get out do the shopping you need to remember shop local support all our locals like marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland right across diagonally across from davenport restaurant the historic white church i am willing to bet there's some nice gifts in there for you and or stocking stuffers what have you pop in see marie shop local get some nice quality gifts now we had um folks i i you know a lot of times if I let things go, but then other times, you know, I want to take credit. And we were the only show 
<clears throat> which drew attention to the situation with Trinity Rep. And as a result of that, people started speaking up. It started as a murmur, and I heard from more and more people, and was a posting about it on the website, Petro.com. Well, then people started getting really upset. They decided to do this woke version of Christmas Carol, and Scrooge is a woman, and they decide to make Scrooge's nephew was gay. <clears throat> All of that seems fine. A lot of people just push back. Bob Cratchit and the Cratchit family, Tiny Tim in this play, he's uh, Tiny Jose. Uh, they don't speak English. They intimate that they're illegals. Uh, Tiny Tim has a problem with his leg because of uh, they don't have proper health insurance. And again, they're entitled to do whatever type of play they want. But I had heard they were getting a lot of pushback. People were upset. They eliminated the intermission because they they just knew that the reaction that people um, in the beginning were leaving during the intermission. So they, there's no intermission with this show. And they were sending schools kids there. People think they're going the traditional version of A Christmas Carol. And instead, it, it's, it's nonstop progressive, you know, preaching and lecturing and it's my, they start off by reminding the audience that they're sitting on stolen land. And, and this whole business, and I had heard from parents, I heard from people that went, and now people started to go after Trinity Rep on their Facebook page to the point where they had to restrict comments. And they have a lecture on that. Now, I have a new posting on DePetro.com. So we have two articles. No one else. The local media is if on cue just oh you know trinity rep is back their tremendous christmas show without really doing a review on the show itself instead what i saw in local media was people just trying to be supportive of trinity which is fine but except don't tell everyone the show oh it's just fantastic and blah 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 that's not the case now i've also heard a number of sponsors had heard from people and so then they were one sponsor spoke to someone I know and said that they were embarrassed when they went to the show. They brought some friends and family. I mean, you're a sponsor, so they're given tickets, and they were embarrassed by it. So Trinity has this thing, and I'll, I'll read what... Uh, I did post what they wrote, but so to come around on this, they, they are, quote, they're pausing the show. They're pa Trinity Rep is, is pausing the show. Now, they're saying... Oh, we have, we have a COVID outbreak. COVID's the excuse for everything now. Now, here's why I don't believe this. Number one, I know someone, and I've been communicating with someone who was first alerted to me who's involved with the production. And they said they have understudies. Number one, everyone is apparently vaccinated. You couldn't even be part of it unless you were vaccinated. They still, they make the people wear masks in the crowd. But if everyone is vaccinated and... Why do you have to cancel? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But I, I'm told they're using this as an excuse. And the media just goes with what they told. Oh, Trinity's postponing due to COVID without even thinking, like, well, wait a minute. Don't you have understudies? What do you mean? You, the whole thing is postponed because of COVID? I mean, there were some people who were planning on going tomorrow night, some people going, you know, tonight, then Monday, Tuesday. Now, they're saying we might be back on Wednesday, but I'm hearing the whole thing is shut down. So it's it's just a disaster. Now they also posted 
We're uh, incredibly uh, sad to announce Trinity is pausing the performances of a Chris Christmas Carol for the next six days. Well, we hope to resume performances. We hope to resume starting Wednesday. I heard that's not happening. Now, they also had another posting. Although they have, I, I noticed like no one reads any. I don't know, maybe people never read, but people definitely don't read. Someone posted, no, they said they're coming back Wednesday. No, they said they hope to resume Wednesday. They also posted, recently we had to turn off comments for some of our posts. Unfortunately, so some people were complaining about their rendition of A Christmas Carol. Unfortunately, some threats have unraveled into hateful, racist, bigoted speech. While we welcome constructive critical feedback, we do not tolerate hateful speech. So now, Trinity Repertory Company is saying, if you criticize their rendition of A Christmas Carol, that's hate speech. Trinity's mission is to reinvent the public square with a diplomatic art that stimulates education, engages our diverse community in a continuing dialogue. For us, this means supporting a welcoming and respectful environment for only the community, not just the ones with the loudest voices. Whether classical or contemporary, all of Trinity Rep's productions connect audience with our plays and each other in meaningful, sometimes surprising ways. With respect to Christmas Carol, our Christmas Carol, we have re-envisioned re this play for today's audience and the world that we currently inhabit. We invite you to con continue to open yourself up to that experience. Well, the fact of the matter is the public rejected the woke preaching that they came out about. All right, it's Friday. Folks, it is um, December 23rd, the day before the day before. The storm, depending on where you are, not that bad. Along the water, definitely some storm surges. Everybody else looks like some wind and some rain. And temperatures at some point will be dropping, although right now it's very mild. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health pop in and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children there's things for your health stay healthy at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland again call marie 401-305-3585 diagonally across from davenport restaurant Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, we have been talking about this case. It started in the aftermath of the Varsity Blues case, which were parents of means paying a certain amount of money. Uh, the big scheme with Varsity Blues through a middleman, Rick Singer, 
it was actually been turned into a, a film. I think I saw it on Netflix, but they would, uh, it essentially got some pretty high profile individuals and children and then other less profile individuals, but into some of uh, very choice top schools, USC, Georgetown. Uh, we had the situation with Gordy Ernst, who then ran into that, and he seemed to be running a side deal. And then it came upon this case out of Boston, where you had this Harvard fencing coach. And it stemmed from someone that noticed a home in Needham that uh, sold for a ridiculous, almost double what it was worth, and then contacted the report of the Boston Globe, did some digging. Uh, Charges were brought against this very successful businessman who turned out two of his sons got into Harvard and were on the fencing team. And the coach of Harvard, who sold this home, did business with the man, and then seemingly bought a condo in Cambridge. And uh, and it, it would seem that we have a result in this trial that has been taking place and playing out over the past week. And they have come back with a, with a not guilty verdict here, Tim Dodd. Yes, um, I was a little bit surprised, not more than a little bit surprised with the not guilty verdicts. Um, It's interesting that during the closing, um, um, the attorney for Peter Brand, the the fencing coach, said to the jury, look, there's lots of potential conflicts of interest here and it may not feel right, but Mm. this is not a these are not these are not bribes. So that um, put into the yeah. put into the jurors' minds that you know this is an odd situation, but it's not bribes. And this case had a lot of facts and issues different than the standard varsity blues case. Let's look at Lori Laughlin and her yes. daughter Jade. Now. Lori Laughlin and her husband paid off to uh, the middleman there, the the guy that dreamed this all up. Yep. They phonied Rick Singer. Rick, Rick Singer, Singer, thank you. Yep. And they phonied up Jade as being some recruit for the um, rowing team to to do crew. She'd never been in a boat, but they took a bunch of phony pictures to make it look like you know she was a participant in crew. Total fraud. They pay the money. She gets in. She never joins the crew team, and she's boom. She's at USC. In in this case, the gentleman with the deep pockets, the wealthy businessman Jack Zhao, he had two sons who apparently were eminently qualified in their own right based upon their resumes to get accepted to Harvard and to um, get on the fencing team. They right. had been fencers, I guess, in high school. They had great academic um, records, extracurriculars, the whole trip. So if their dad, Jack Zoe, never talked to this Peter Brand guy, arguably they would have been qualified um, guys for the um, fencing team. In fact, they were both admitted. In fact, they both were on the fencing team for all four years. And I believe, I don't know which brother is which, but one graduated with something north of a 3.8 GPA. And the other brother graduated with a GPA north of 3.9. So they were good students. They were athletes. They were on the fencing team. They were qualified. Now, the prosecutors would say maybe they were qualified, but dad didn't want to take any chances. He wanted to ensure their admission. He was willing to pay off to do it. 
So you get this crazy situation with the house that Jack Zoe played double for and then sold at a loss. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there was um, sufficient testimony, apparently, um, from Peter Brand, the coach, and others in his um, list of witnesses to say this was always a loan. Uh, they were able to show that this guy, Jack Zhao, had loaned money to other friends on many other occasions, substantial sums of money without promissory notes, without writings, without guarantees, without anything. So it's not like it was a one-off situation that he did for this guy, Peter Brand. Apparently, he did it all the time. And the unwritten agreement was, I'm going to loan you the money. We know that when your mother passes away, Peter, you're going to inherit a good chunk of money. And when you get your inheritance, you'll pay me back. And in oh. fact, mother passed away. He yep. got his inheritance and he paid back all the outstanding monies owed to this guy, Jack Zhao. Now, maybe if this hadn't been discovered, he would have gotten his inheritance and never given the money back. But they had to cover the base for the sake of this um, criminal trial, sure. but it all kind of hung together. So I think that certainly all of these facts taken in their totality, um, the defense attorneys did their job of raising reasonable doubt. Is there doubt, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that this was a bribe? If the, if the government doesn't prove it, you must come back not guilty. Yes. Was there doubt that it was not a bribe, that it was, in fact, unsecured oral loans for significant sums of money? It might seem unusual, but in the world these guys were in, it was not unusual, apparently. So I think there was some good lawyering done, and I think that both of these defendants had to have a lot of intestinal fortitude to, to stand up there and roll the dice to try this case in front of a jury. I think the other interesting thing is the middleman who was sort of a business for himself, um, he was given immunity from prosecution yeah. and all sorts of sweetheart deals by the government. Yeah. Right. So apparently they picked the wrong horse in this particular race because these two guys walk and the government's left having done the sweetheart deal of all sweetheart deals for the informant who testified for the government. So... The government won most of these cases, but this was a um, stunning loss for the government and, yeah. a, and a kind of a sweet victory for these two guys. Really sweet Tim, victory. Tim Dodd, what about the line uh, US, Assistant U.S. Attorney Stephen Frank said, listen, we're not saying that the two sons were not great students of good fences, but I like the line. It doesn't matter Brady of fencing or the Albert Einstein of academics. If Brady's father paid a million dollar bribe to the coach of the University of Michigan, make sure he's recruited. It doesn't matter whether or not he's good enough. This is still a crime. It's still bribery. But but it, it sure sounds to him, Dodd. I some of the other people that quickly, you know, played guilty and so forth, you wonder how they may have feared in, in the course if they decided to maybe roll the dice and go the route that Peter ended. Well, yeah, and the prosecutors were also, you know, implying or stating outright that Jack Zhao, his kids were certainly qualified, but yep. no one's a guarantee to get into Harvard. No, and, no. you know, he pay, they, they claimed that he paid off to make sure that the kids yeah. got in. He didn't want to right. take any chances. Now, 
to your to your point about what other defendants might now be thinking in retrospect, should we have mm. tried our case too? This was a unique case. Um, yeah. Far different than a lot of the other cases where parents were paying um, silver um, to make sure their kid got in with a phony resume of phony participation in sure. sports. Good point. So, you know, phony tennis player, phony crew member, phony, you know, all kinds of phony um, trumped up um, claims of sports participation. Um, those cases were entirely different. This had the uniqueness of well-qualified young men who likely would have gotten into Harvard without their dad paying off somebody. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Very difficult day to travel. A lot of flights, a lot of problems with flights. Good luck if you have a flight today. Storm is seemingly not as bad as we thought, although it's going to be a very dramatic drop in temperatures. Tonight could be many accidents on the roads. Today, though, it's seemingly mild. Depending on where you are, if you're along the water, the East Bay seems to be getting hit hard with heavy winds in uh, surf and storm surge. Other parts, it just seems to be a little bit of a rainstorm. So uh, there's an interesting story in the Boston Globe when the union comes to a coffee shop near you and they write, the closure of Darwin's amid union activity highlights the often fraught relationship in independent cafes when workers and owners stand side by side all day. As his employees see it, there are two sides to Steve Darwin, longtime owner, of the four Cambridge coffee shops that bore his name. <clears throat> One sat across from them at the bargaining table, thrashing over the particulars of a union contract for workers, most struggling to get by on fourteen twenty-five an hour plus tips. The other was a colleague of sorts in the intimate confines of a small business. In the cafes, Darwin saw, quote, his baby, one barista said, a business he built over 30 years. He was softer, almost sentimental. They'd find him in the basement, gazing at a wall crowded with Polaroids of workers from years past. But it turned out there'd be no future for Darwin's. 14 months after nearly 50 employees voted to unionize, Darwin stunned them with an announcement. He was closing the coffee shops altogether before 2023. 
workers would be jobless three days before Christmas. Steve and his wife did not respond to emails from the Globe for comment, but last month, the couple said that a union rally outside their Cambridge home had resulted in the acceleration of our decision to retire. Who thought that was a good idea? The closure of Darwin's underscores the stakes as a wave of union efforts sweeps small businesses where workers are fighting for equal say and owners are grappling with the fallout. Darwin's is one of six independent coffee houses and delis in the region where employees have organized since summer of 2021, including Pavement 1369, Seed Feed and Supply, and three Somerville sister shops. Uh, there's another cafe. Unlike the high-profile labor fight at Starbucks, where they chastised unions from unionizing workers from his corner office in Seattle, the conflicts at the local chains unfold in the few feet behind the counter. Any distance between employees and management is physically, at least, non-existent. At Darwin's cafes, the owner fixed the espresso machines and constructed shelves where baristas stack cups. His daughter went to school with one of his shift leaders, Eleanor McCarthy. That closeness proved tricky for workers. Darwin both wanted to be the boss, who you got a beer with after work, and the boss who trumps your union. Can you really have both? This is so interesting. Labor researchers say, yes, customers do not want these beloved cafes to vanish, and the demands of workers and business can align. There's no evidence unionization harms small business. That, you're, you're missing the point. It absolutely does. It, it can help. It increases morale. With who? Darwin's Cafe on Massachusetts Avenue closed December 22nd in the midst of the union effort. But talk with people in the middle of it all, and a complicated picture emerges. You know, this director of labor education research at Cornell, they're that's they they they're not on the front lines. Total bull. Uh, a dozen employees said unionizing bettered their workplace and allowed for conversations about discipline policies, scheduling, and pay. By contrast, the owners of five union coffee shops would not comment on the record with more than one citing the delicate balance inside their stores. For owners, unionizing can add another financial challenge in a business already full of them, throwing up a barrier to plan to expand hours or add a one-time raise. Some cannot fathom paying wages, wages in the mid-20s. <laughs> That's where they want to go. Among customers, even those who identify as pro-union, there's a fear of what will happen if workers and owners cannot make peace. I support the Darwin Union, but it's obvious that it had a big part to play in the closure, said Wendy Barnowski, a shy latte lover at the Putnam Avenue Cafe. It seems like the owners were near the end of their rope, and this pushed them over the edge. I'm worried about what will be here next. Chain store, no one wants that. Local coffee shops tend to be progressive spaces where management encourages workers to identify their pronouns and paste Black Lives Matter stickers. In Massachusetts, Larry Margills of Payment Coffee Houses said he voted for Ralph Nader and Bernie Sanders. 
Diesel Cafe was among the first retailers to introduce gender-neutral bathrooms in 1999. So customers may think their liberal owners are always in sync with the interests of workers, even when that's not the case. At the Jamaica Plain Grocer City Feed in Supply, many of the 30 employees were shocked when founder Dave Warner refused to recognize the union, forcing workers to take the matter to a vote. They went so far as to file a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board, claiming mishandled grievances about sexual harassment. The Cornell researcher said founders sometimes clash with workers because they have difficulty ceding power in businesses they built from scratch. It's their business. It's not some, you know, 21-year-old college dropout who's telling the guy how he should be running his business. I think we should, like, pay everyone $25 an hour. Uh, Jim called me her. I'd like to file a grievance against Jim. Oh, my God. The Darwins were 20-somethings when they first opened their cafe, Mount Auburn Street, 1993. Jennifer Park, Tucker Lewis were 21 29 when they opened Diesel Cafe in Davis Square. Josh Gerber of 1369, inherited the shop from his uncle. And Margillies of Payment had just graduated from BU when he took a job at the Alston Bagel Shop he would later buy and franchise. Um, I'm reading one of the comments. It was such a headache, but Darwin didn't work with the union to make it not a headache. But how owners respond to the union drive can often spell its fate. Three workers said they felt Darwin decided to close the cafes. He was no longer willing to collaborate with the union. It was such a headache, but he didn't work with the union to make it not a headache, said a barista. They recall that Darwin said offhandedly mentioning sunsetting the business in a couple of years when they readied for retirement. Then that time came soon and suddenly. Even among the tight-knit group of workers, there were quarrels. At Darwin's, multiple employees said that four baristas who were members of the political advocacy group Socialist Alternative were especially aggressive, threatening to strike and demanding wages of as much as $24 an hour. One of those four, Sam White, disagreed and said the union often came to a consensus and voted overwhelmingly to uphold the $24 demand first in March and then again in September. $24 an hour. At Diesel Cafe and Pavement, a willingness to compromise kept similar tensions at bay. Park, the diesel co-owner, said in a story, she was 100% behind increasing pay transparency when the first union formed last December. And the shift runner said he never viewed the owners as corporate overlords. It's a lot less of a gap between me and the owners, even though when you're working at Diesel or Starbucks across the street, you're doing very similar work. Employees of Pavement also credited the cooperation as helping secure a contract in August. He did unwittingly, unwittingly antagonize workers in the 2021 Globe article when he said the union was driven by social issues rather than economics. Workers mockingly made pins emblazoned with this quote, I'm a good boss. <laughs> but Margillis signaled kinship in June of 2021, op-ed, he penned for GBH. If I was 21 years old, I'm not sure I would have signed the union card myself. 
The end result, the union first proposed a 60% raise. He counted with 13. They landed at 6. A 60% raise. They landed at 6%. In the aftermath, a former pavement supervisor, an organizer for the Unite Here Union, stopped by the Fenway store for a cup of coffee in November. She had argued with Margillis over races. They were not friends, had been colleagues once. Margillis came to fiddle with the menu, met eyes with Delaney inside. They nodded each other to show respect. In some ways, workers call for better pay, colliding with a brutal period for restaurants. Coffee shops are a low-margin business in the best of times. Profits 3 to 7%. Now inflation, widespread labor shortage, lingering effects of pandemic. Can they survive a wage increase? Many employees are eager to keep up the fight. A few from Darwin's hope to unionize other businesses, but the closing still raises concern. Four coffee shops are gone. Dozens of baristas are out of work with little but two weeks of severance to pay the bills. The news also pinpoints a gloomy reality of American entrepreneurship. According to the employee ownership nonprofit Project Equity, baby boomers own the vast majority of small businesses. Six of ten intend to sell in the near future, most with no succession plan in place. A phenomenon dubbed the silver tsunami. As closing days at Darwin approached, some baristas wondered all out, could the couple sell the cafes and let the workers keep the jobs? <laughs> what about an employee ownership model? It wasn't up for discussion. They dreamt of creating a co-op and started GoFundMe this week. On Thursday, the chain shuttered. Several workers recalled the founders now words. There's no Darwins without Steve Darwin, and there won't be. They were protesting outside the guy's house lunacy lunacy look what's happening you know when this started when they these small coffee shops started to get into this business within many of the people said they were going to start to unionize uh there were many people that immediately started to predict that they're not going to make it it's not going to happen and certainly at, not at these smaller places. So they may talk a good game, but in the end, uh, there'll be no more of that. And I'll make sure to see where this goes as far as locally. All right, folks, it's Friday. We have uh, much more ahead. You're listening to The John DeVitro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401 580 1852 limitless outdoors they specialize in patios walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy Folks, joining us right now from the Boston Globe is columnist Dan McGowan. And Dan, once again, 
what a remarkable streak right now about these uh, these Knicks. <laughs> I think that the only thing uh, I, I can't think of anything that's even that's any more meaningful, right? Elon Musk is the biggest story in the world right now. You got uh, Zelinsky in the country today, but I think everybody should be focused on eight wins in a row uh, for for the Knickerbockers. <laughs> Absolutely, and also just a, a side, and you'll appreciate this: Rhode Island being Rhode Island. Friday night, I was attending a Christmas party, and for dinner, we sat down and seated next to me, so we got a chance to talk during the course of the dinner at the Christmas party. Happened to be from the Providence Police Department, and Mike Stevens, who's a big fan of yours, and you can appreciate the uh, the peering there. He, what a great guy. We had a great time. I was going to say, I think he'd draw the short straw there because he was going to have John DePietro next to him (laughs) the whole time. But you're right. Good, very good man. And I, and I, really good guy. And I think to, to the, really to the police department's credit, uh, the job that, that he has eventually found there, um, you know, after all the, the riffraff over whether he should be a major or not, it's actually the right job. He's got a, you know, he's got some level of voice, the community, uh, I think a lot of the guys who know him in the police department do like him. It's not as high profile as maybe it was designed to be. Uh, and that's probably the right thing for him uh, and for the department. Yeah. And it's funny. Our host was, you know, later told me, listen, you're a good guy. He's a good guy. I peered you guys up. So uh, the two of you get to know each that's other. Fantastic. We had a really, yeah, really, really good time. And Dan McGowan, one of the things we talked about, and I told him, I was telling there's some different people at the party is I was blown away at the, your former colleague, Steph Machado's exit interview with Mayor Alorza. Now with someone you've covered him for eight years. Uh, I, I think right now he's saying things that no other elected official will say. And of course he then, you know, repeated some of it. It wasn't, it didn't, I don't think he got as much attention on, uh, on 10 news conference. It's kind of become the line though. Because now I'm seeing other people ask, well, would you send your children there? But I'm talking about Mayor Lorza, uh, that exit interview. He would not send Omar's son to the Providence Public Schools. Boy, he is just, if people will stop and listen, what he's saying actually makes sense. But some of it is is seemingly just kind of get washed away because people are so blown away at some of the statements he's making. You know, he certainly, uh, for a guy who I would say has not played uh, politics or the media, sometimes it's the same, quite well over his eight years, uh, he sure knows how to go out with a bang. Uh, wow. Because the mayor knows exactly what he's doing um, on his way out the door. This is not, um, you know, I'm just sitting down and, you know, uh, saying a few things on my mind. This is how the mayor, have, you know, had developed this feeling over the course of particularly, I think, the second term in office. You know, right after the, the his last year as a first term, the province teachers, of course, you know, shouted him down at his state of the city address. Uh, you know, uh, kind of famously made his mother cry, um, and he has never forgiven them for that. More importantly, though, I should say that that sounds like I'm just saying. You know, he's got a grudge. He, he, you're right. If people out there, and I think a lot of your listeners, certainly a lot of my readers, I think look at Mayor Lurie and they see an administration that was kind of all over the place. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff around, you know, uh, you know, reparations and municipal, you know, uh, guaranteed income. A lot of people don't love that, you know, that idea. He certainly is a guy who um, 
ideologically is a is far to the left, but he is speaking truth to power here on the on the Providence teachers and on the Providence school situation. That was a candid view. You remember back when when Angelica Infante Green first took office, she made a similar. She said she wouldn't send her kids to the Providence schools. Now she never ended up living in Providence. It's much more significant, I think, with the outgoing mayor who's got a kid going into kindergarten. Um, is is saying that and you know it is I think it's it is to some degree strategic the one criticism I would have of him on, on this topic is I do wish that he was more aggressive when he had a chance to be with the sure. Providence teachers in yep. those first if you think about it in the first term in office the first four years he signed two not one two Providence teachers contracts um, you know, one very quietly right after he took office that he was kind of dealt, you know, the hand that Angel Tavares gave him. And then he signed another contract after he won um, re-election. That was after he had had all those fights with the teachers. You know, neither one of those contracts were particularly substantive, as he'll admit, as he, he, he you know, consciously admits. But you know, the, the, the argument that he's making is I need the mayor, the incoming mayor, as much as everybody, you know, and I'm, I'm, as Dan McGowan as a columnist is guilty of this, you know, as much as we all kind of think Brett Smiley is prepared to kind of do a good job, be it in, in you know, he's ready to do this job. What, what Mayor Alorza is saying is I need the mayor elect to understand that there is no reason to have, you know, prolonged negotiations with these Providence teachers. Exactly. He's saying I need to understand this. This is not a, he, I think he said this, I don't know if it was on Gene's uh, interview or it was on Snap's interview, but his point is, I came in, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I thought yep. that I could come in there and make a difference because I was different. And he, and he said, look, <laughs> there's nobody, no individual that can right. make a significant difference with these Providence teachers. And that's why he's so aggressive. And I think, I don't think he's going to go away. I think you're going to hear him talking about this in one way or another. Um, for a very long time to come. Remember, he's a young guy. He's still in his early 40s. That's right. And Dan McGowan, but a couple things about that, uh, and I agree with it. It's a fool's errand to try to negotiate. You and I both know Fonte Green uh, under Raimondo. They spent hours the back and forth, different room. In some way, it's almost like you're playing their, their, their hands. But what about, what do you make of um, him saying that he basically said Governor McKee betrayed the children of school made every concession union wanted. Now, Dan McGowan, that, that sounds strong, but that, wasn't this the same guy that was standing there at the press conference with the Superman building saying, I got to give credit to Governor Dan McKee? Well, this is, again, the the strange thing for, for folks, as I say, out there who listen to you or, li- or read and listen to me, you, you know, you, when you look at the legacy of this mayor, yeah. you, you almost, you have to kind of take it kind of issue by issue, because uh, there are things, you know, I, I think, uh, we'll be sure we'll talk about this, but, you know, on economic development stuff, I right. think he ceded all of that to the state. He had no interest in it, and he um, really gave up a lot of power, and those kind of things. Um, you know, but on public employee unions, I mean, I remember you, years ago, you know, cheered him on to some degree when he was taking on the Providence firefighters, right? Yeah, He's a guy who who has been willing to, based on the, the office, I mean, he said this, right? The, the Being the chief executive of a city, all of them, all mayors, unless you're really beholden to the unions, 
They always have big fights. He fought eight years with the Providence Firefighters, right? Yes. Angel Tavares uh, was, was favorable to the firefighters, but fought with the police. He fought with the teachers. So this is not uncommon in any way at all. Um, he, he wants people to know, you know, I was, I was willing to kind of hold the line. Now, again, his, the, the challenge with this is, you know, for people out there is you, you, you know, you hear, okay, I was willing to take on the union. The money I wanted to invest though, you know, was going to very liberal causes and things like that. And that's what makes right. people say, oh, I don't like him. He, he, he is, he, if, if nothing else, he's pretty consistent though. I mean, he, he, he hasn't really flipped you know, a couple of things, charter schools, I think he changed around on a little bit. But I would argue, I think you would too, he came around to the right side of charter schools. So credit yes. to him on that. Yes. And I, I think uh, Dan McGowan also, there's an element of whether it is someone in Mayor Lorz's position and or the charter school people themselves, they need to educate people more about what makes them work, uh, how it works. It is public. There's, there's a lot of unknowns. For instance, I know... In certain areas of Florida, if they deem a public school is, is quote, like a failing school, boom, then they allow a charter school to open within that region. So then you have an option. I don't think people fully explain that. Then you, right, you hear people saying, oh, so then there's no school. You're going to close all the schools. You're actually doing it kind of one at a time and allowing the charter school, in essence, to provide competition for the public school. More than that, I mean, the thing is that there's lots of issues that you can kind of almost, uh, you can almost hide behind current federal law if you want to really reform the schools. The federal law right now, this was an started out as no child left behind under Bush, as you remember, but then under President Obama, they revamped no child left behind, they changed the law to some degree, but they kept something in place. If your state, and this is every state in the country, every state is required to identify the bottom 5% of, of, of lowest performing schools in their state. That is, again, required by federal law. Rhode Island just did it. Uh, as you can imagine, the vast majority of those schools are in Providence. And when those, those schools are identified, you have just dramatic ability to make changes. In some states, it's close it down uh in many states in fact it's closed it down in rhode island for a time under deb gist uh this the idea was close those schools down now you're seeing a much more i think um you know kind of pro-union approach to this which is let's throw lots of money at the problem let's try to change the contract around here and there and i think this is what frustrates mayor lorza is He's saying, look, on the ground, I, I see no difference. In fact, I think things are worse. And so all of these, you know, the, the laws that are in place, nobody takes, you know, real advantage of them. That's his gripe with the state takeover. That's what the point of the takeover was to, to really rip up the contract and change things. And so this is where the mayor comes back to, he's right. Nobody really takes this seriously, even though they do actually, in his opinion, uh, have the tools to actually make these changes. Folks, quick break. We want to hear our next segment where uh, Dan McGowan and also his colleague Ed Fitzpatrick sat down with Senate President Dominic Ruggiero. It's all ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. The Coe said in. 
226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. No. Donna Perry, finally also, um, there was an interesting piece that I said, what's going to happen to, quote, the downtowns? You know, it was um, no matter where you are in the country, because of COVID, because of people now yeah. working from right. home, it's it's not so much a Providence thing. It's a, it's a Boston thing with a lot of uh, companies. And um, what used to be, because both of us at different times have worked in what would be considered, you know, the downtown area, whether it's yeah. midtown or whatever. But um, there's an element of it that's kind of sad. But at the same time, you know, times change and people just seemingly don't want to go back into that that can be avoided. You know, the big, the huge rush, the massive rush in the morning, the massive rush in the afternoon to go into these big downtown areas and buildings and um I, I i'm not sure what the future i think the future downtown is going to be maybe more people li- trying to live in some of these places as opposed to work in these these in, you know these different buildings yeah and and you you really do have a, a couple of major forces um kind of coming together at once in this whole issue and i i'm i'm glad you had pointed that out that piece to me because when you look at like a san francisco as it started looking at that but it's it's many cities it's not just emptied out it's it's becoming like a hollowed out you know yeah. which which is a very very um unfortunate thing and and the fatal blow in a way a place like San Francisco has had these things that we're now seeing in many cities, which is very cautious, which is very, you know, troubling. And that, first of all, was just the confluence of um, the homeless and the homeless encampments, um, which is going on in a lot of places. So then the fatal blow is the pandemic. The other thing I would note about San Francisco, though, that a little bit different is they have really the highest percentage of tech workers. Um, so that means people working in all those kind of companies, John, and those kinds of companies really, once they, you know, you let the horse out of the barn, you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. Um, that tends to skew a younger workforce. You're never getting them back in those buildings. See that. And that's the thing. Um, and, but then we have like new generations or recent college grads, their idea of work and, you know, quote, going to work. Well, that's very different from what we grew up in. Um, but I don't think it's a, I, I, I have a personal view on that. Number one, I don't think that's actually great for 20 or even 30 somethings in, in terms of their career and just their social environment. Um, I really mean that. Like I, I, so much of your work life, you're, you're at work more than you're home on Saturday and Sunday. And I think for a young person, that's actually a very, very important um, social outlet. You know, I think it is, it's all part of it. And I, I think also um, it's, and also to sort of increase your career, there's not, it's just not the same, you know, to email people, you know, and then try to connect with them. It's just, um, there's not the same. So I, I think it's kind of concerning. And I, I think the American city in, uh, you know, writ large, we don't want to hand over the city 
to sort of street thugs and the, you know, and the, and the kind of the riffraff. I hate to say that, John, but like that, that's what kind of happened when the pandemic cleared people out. Right. Yes. Um, you know, sort of the unsavory element really said, Hey, we're going to have the run of the streets, you know? I mean, that certainly has continued to play out in New York. And, but as you say, this is a combination of problems. I mean, you're, you're just not, we also mass transit, you know, people in New York, you know, all that very, very well. Uh, you're going to get up and get on a 5:30 train and go bumbling into the, you know, and have a bumpy ride and you go running around and you grab the tr- subway just to be at your desk at 8:30 as people always did. So now it's like, they see the light. They're like, why am I, I'm not doing that. If I can, you know, yeah. have a big home office, but if everyone does what, what is happening to the downtown? So, right. It's, you know, one of the last note, and it's just, and I don't see anyone writing about it, but I, I, for myself, when and, and, and the same thing I would also do with, but when I, you start out, you're, I'll just say a male, but you're a young guy, you're working with older guys, and you're not related to them, and they're not a teacher, and they're not your father, but, right. you know, it's little stuff of how you properly tip in a restaurant, and here's, here's yes. where you want to get a good raincoat, and, you know, and I, you know, you the guy, young guy comes in and you explain you don't wear a certain type of suspenders and things like that. And, and all of that is lost with these, again, I'll just say gender, but young guys that are working yeah. from home and they're never in that interaction element. I think we're going to get a group of young guys that are going to be in their 30s, but they, they seem more like they're 22, 23. I agree. And I, I do, yeah. you do worry about young males. And I feel yeah. like then their their maturity, they're, they're, you know, they may prolong their immaturity. Yes. Um, and and it you could know. Go, same thing could go for females. The same, yeah. So. Folks, yeah. we want to also uh, say Merry Christmas to Donna Perry. We certainly enjoy and Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's right. JD. Our uh, weekly conversations. We'll have more of it in the new year. Of course. So Merry Christmas, of which I'll be celebrating with you and our family yes. together. Yes, we're so and, excited. And uh, much more ahead in the new year. Thank you, DJ. Merry Christmas. We can't wait to see all the DePetros. Okay. Falcon Pest Services. 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. To the John DePietro Show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 
11 to 2. But visit the website depetro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website depetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at depetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website depetro.com.